Do you have a team whose hearts and minds are 100% invested in your business goals? What are the levels of motivation across your account managers and sales team? How engaged are they? For many businesses, the working world has changed and for most, it's still changing. The concept of remote and hybrid working is no longer uncommon and sales leaders are battling with the ongoing challenge of managing performance and inspiring excellence in teams that are no longer sat every day in the office, feeding off each other's energy and learning from their peers in the room. Employee engagement is not a new thing. It's long been acknowledged that happy and engaged teams lead to happy and engaged customers which ultimately create happy and engaged shareholders. And in today's world, as we edge closer to our own new format and structure of work, engagement has never been so important. Perhaps you're a business leader listening today asking yourself, how do I engage a remote or hybrid team to maximize performance? Or perhaps you're an account manager who's questioning their own level of engagement and feeling a little disconnected from the business that pays for your peak performance. Whichever camp you're in, there's no escaping the importance of employee engagement and how it really does affect your business's ability to maximise the success of key account management performance. Today on Camcast, we tackle a fundamental mission to make the world a better place to work, knowing that if we do, everyone benefits. To dive into the topic, I invited two guests from the company Reward Gateway, the employee engagement people. More than 2,000 organizations worldwide use the Reward Gateway platform to connect, support and recognize their employees whenever and wherever they work. Robert Hicks is the Group Human Resources Director and therefore the lucky custodian of the people and experience teams at Reward Gateway. He's responsible for all their people worldwide across numerous teams and departments including employee engagement, learning and development, reward and benefits, diversity and inclusion, office experience, people ops, internal communication, talent acquisition, basically anything and everything related to people. And Lou Kwachi is one of the sales leaders at Reward Gateway and looks after a group of UK-based account executives, sales managers, SDRs, researchers and the global bid team. Between them, they live and breathe the company's mission, both internally and externally, whilst continuing to push for profitable performance. I'll be talking to them about how they see the variations of working as we emerge from restrictive living. They'll be sharing their ideas for the best ways to engage sales teams who are working remotely. We'll explore how tech can support sales leaders to engage, excite and empower their teams and what they think the future will look like. I'll also be getting their insights as senior decision makers who often wear the buyer hat and what advice they would give to sales and account managers who are seeking to climb the stakeholder ladder. This is one of those episodes where we intentionally blur the line between new business and existing customer management to look at the fundamental building blocks for keeping people engaged. 
Welcome to Camcast. I'm your host, David Ventura, a key account management consultant at camguru.com. In this podcast, we explore the strategies, systems, and skills you need for effective key account management. We talk to expert guests and business leaders, sharing the tips, tactics, and techniques for looking after your most important customers. This is Key Account Management Made Easy. So welcome back to another episode of Camcast. Here we are, I guess, beginning to emerge into the outside world again. And one of the big questions that I'm being asked by a lot of my clients is how do we engage our sales teams and keep them motivated in this sort of remote and hybrid working environment that we're experiencing? So I'm delighted to be joined today by two guests who are doing just that, not just with their teams in their business, but also supporting their clients to do the same. Welcome to Robert Hicks and Lou Kwachi from Reward Gateway, who are on a mission to make the world a better place to work. Thanks for joining us today on Camcast, both of you. Good morning. Lou, perhaps we can start with you. I guess for our listeners, perhaps you could give us a bit of an explanation in terms of what Reward Gateway do and what you do in terms of supporting your customers with this engagement mission that we're all finding ourselves on at the moment. Yeah, it's quite a lofty mission, isn't it? You know, make the world a a better place to work. So Mm. at Reward Gateway, we work with, you know, recognition technology, employee benefits, employee communication, and that's all rounded by our people. So we provide a nice solution for organizations from any size that want to better connect, better reward, and better, you know, have better benefits for their people. We've been doing that for the best part now of over 10 years, grown incredibly well. Um, I think the other day, Rob, we ticked over 2,000 clients, which was also very exciting across the business. And we do that across, you know, the UK, Australia, the US has been a, a great growing market for us and also a few other global clients that have offices in you know a few different locations. So it's been a really interesting journey. But yeah, it's a great company to be at. So that sort of global platform that you serve on is also a global platform that you work on because, of course, you've got offices all over the place. And in the last 12 months, you've seen those offices become even more disparate as people have been working from their sort of micro locations, wherever it is in the world that they that they live. We hear terms like new normal, virtual working, hybrid working. They seem to be commonplace in our conversations at the moment. What, what do they mean for you guys in your business? And, and what are you hearing from your customers? So for me, I think there's two answers to that. So for us at Reward Gateway, we see everybody as being a hybrid worker. And a hybrid worker means that you choose where in your home country is best for you to be working at different times to do different tasks. So we have offices in each of the four countries within which kind of we have kind of employees and staff can kind of come in and work there or they can work from home. Obviously, kind of there's certain times where you're going to need to come into to the office for key events. And but this isn't new for us. We've always been taking the flexible approach to work and we've always had a kind of a high level of flexibility and trust for our employees. And kind of a really simple saying is do the work where it's most effective for you to do the work. Mm. That's a really simple thing for me to say. I actually think that it's actually a lot more complicated than that for, for other businesses. And I'll, and I'll go through some, some reasons why. I'll start with the top level. If you're a Spotify, your teams are super high tech and you make an amazing product and it's B2C, and so you have a lot of knowledge workers working with you. That's really easy for you to say, work from home. Imagine that you're in a different business and you have 
factories or you have a mixture of support staff or you have some call centers and you can't take the Spotify approach. And I think there's a lot of noise around what I'd say is the high tech ability to have anybody work anywhere and do a job versus those businesses who've got a much more complex set of needs, even at 400, 200 or 100 people trying trying to find those solutions is hard. So here's some of the things which you're going to need to consider. It's what's your role and where and what do you do and where can you do it? What what are your personal circumstances? Where do you live and and who do you live with? And how can you commute into the office? How much do you pay for your travel? What are your colleagues doing? What's your level of connection? What's your social life like? Is it centered around the office? Is it centered around that you or your colleagues? And how are you going to achieve your four C's? So how are you going to cooperate with your team, collaborate with your wider colleagues, coordinate work, and how and how are you going to communicate with each other? I don't think it's a location-based piece. I actually think it's an output and quality of life and quality of work conversation. Mm. And I'm just listening to you explain that there, Robert, and thinking you sound just like me in the sense that I'm an idealist. I love this painting a picture of an ideal world. And often the ideal world is, I, I, wasn't, I was going to say not realistic, but of course it can be realistic. It just takes a lot more effort. We need to bring that idealism to, to life. And I think that's something you guys do brilliantly. I'm drawn now to you, Lou, because you head up a sales team. And the thing that I hear a lot from sales leaders is that that ideal sounds great. It, it, and in reality, we need to keep more of an eye and a, and a track on our people in terms of what they're doing. Is that something you hear from customers? Perhaps that's a pushback that you hear from customers about remote and hybrid working what, what does that look like for you well the beauty of reward gateway is that the solution can work in various industries so we get to speak to you know, hundreds and hundreds of companies every single month and, and it's a mixed bag rob, rob said it was was bang on the high-tech businesses they are they are not looking to return to work i think they're actually looking over their shoulder at what the competition are doing mm. and to make best their best decisions on there sometimes i even think it might be a pr battle but we'll let them go ahead and do that. Yeah. But then we've seen the, the banking and finance industry, a lot of organizations are actually encouraging people to go back to the office. And my sister works for a law firm and they are, I think it's a magic circle, they, what they call it, and they are encouraging mm. people to go back as soon as possible. Mm. Whereas some organizations, and this is a misconception, some organizations didn't actually stop. People were going to work during this whole period yeah. So there is a huge, there's a huge diverse range of things that were happening in different companies and you need to be adaptable to that. Where we're really spoiled at Reward Gateway is that we've had, we've had Rob and his team and they've been leading the charge this entire pandemic. So we've yeah. always been on the front foot. You know, as I said, we've always had this hybrid model. But a lot of organizations were really shocked into make, taking, taking a stand last year. Where that goes, I, I'm, not, I'm not too sure. But I was in the tube this morning and I saw a lot more people today than I've seen in normal mm. time. So that was it. There's definitely been, I think, a step up in the last couple of weeks as I don't know whether it's the vaccine rollout and people feeling more confident to go about their normal business and start to migrate back into the office or whether actually some people have just had enough and they just want to get back out there. <laughs> um, it's probably a mixture of the two. Uh, coming back again to this, you know, let's imagine that some of our sales and account management teams continue to be more remote than they were before. And for some organizations like you're describing with your sister's firm where they're expecting people to be in the office that was old old school that was what their norm was for them and now they're in this new world of thinking it's the right thing to do to allow remote and hybrid working and yet there's that blocker in place for some sales leaders where they don't quite know 
how to manage people remotely. What have been the most effective ways that you've seen in terms of day-to-day interactions, I guess? I was going to use the word engagement again, but let's move slightly away from that and look at it as more interactions with the people. What are the tools? And, you know, I've said before we started recording today that one of the reasons I like talking to you guys is because I'm a tech geek and anything where technology can enable good practice is, is great. What, what tech have you found works in terms of managing the interactions with sales teams? I'm about to do a few plugs here as well, so hopefully they're going to pay me for this. <laughs> Excellent. But one thing I'll do, I'll go straight to number one, actually, is um, the phone, a um, bit old school. However, the successful sales leaders during this period that I've spoken with, and we've, we've, we've done okay during this pandemic, are the ones who connect with their teams. Mm-hmm. Trust is huge. Having an element of trust across your organization is, is really important, as Rob will mm-hmm. tell you. Having that across your sales team, where the quality of output is always a huge focus, is a big one. You want to be able to trust that your top the top billing consultant or your top the top person on the phone are able to you know consistently achieve what they need to do and by connecting with their sales leadership at least they know you care they know you care they want to work hard for you that discretionary effort is always going to be there tech always helps of course it does whether it's hubspot or salesforce mm-hmm. but actually something we use internally is jiminy so mm-hmm. jiminy is a is a cool coaching software and what we're able to do is you know with consent, of course, for a GDPR, any recorded call can be coached and trained and utilized. You can um, you can put recognition on that call. You could actually tag other people in the organization. You can connect departments because one thing that has become very difficult, especially in a solution-based cell, is when you go through a scenario with one of your prospects, they have a technical issue that might need answering from someone else in the business. Being able to use a technology that actually connects your entire organization when normally you'd just be sitting across the way from each other, wouldn't you? You'd be able to shout over and say, hey, yeah. X, Y, and Z, can't do that right now. So using technology like that, that builds the bridges across your organization has been unbelievable. And in actual fact, I think that's what's actually kept us connected during these difficult periods. So yeah. Two, two, two bits there. Yeah, Jiminy, I've heard of this before. Of course, other platforms are available. I think we have to say that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, some great technology that's available to help coach on calls. Camcast, key account management made easy. Robert, let me ask you this, because when we think about using the phone, you know, you you said old school there, Lou. Of course, it's not old school. It's still current school, new school. The phone is one of the simplest and most effective mediums for communication. And yet, and I spoke with Henry Rose Lee, who was our intergenerational diversity expert a few episodes ago, and we were looking at the different generations. Robert, do you see a difference in younger generations around their attitude towards using the telephone? Has it, uh, you know, become more of a problem in today's in today's world in terms of the confidence to get on the phone and speak to decision makers no from my from my experience i think the i think they're as comfortable as uh, as lou is and as i am and and i'm a lot older than lou i'm considerably older than lou can if, if anyone looking at this screen I I was trying I to ask probably, the question without saying that, Robert. I'm not yeah, gonna... <laughs> yeah, I know. It's fine. You can see the grey hairs. And uh, and for the record, I'm the oldest employee at Reward Gate, Gate where I've got my pension, first pension <laughs> ne- next decade. And I think, I think it's really about giving people the confidence to use the tools available to them. And all the telephone is is a device which enables you to contact somebody through a voice or video medium. That's no different to, to a laptop now where you can sit there and you can press a button and you can have your headphones plugged in like I do 
and you can ha- and you can have voice conversation with somebody. A telephone is just an even more portable version of that. I think, from my perspective, what I see is where the younger generation, because they're so used to communicating at a higher frequency, they've been able to adapt to using different technology mm. uh, elements and finding out what 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 works for them. And I think that there's two questions here. It's young sales force. How can we get them to contact uh, prospects in the most effective ways for them to achieve their other numbers? Secondly, it's how can I as a, a leader and how can Lou as a leader connect with our teams and communicate and engage with and do everything within that? And I think it's a really simple piece, which is around asking your employees how would they like like to be contacted? When would they like to be contacted? When's good for a one-to-one? When are they most effective during the day? So I like to do my one-to-ones in the morning, early within the week, so I can drive that. And I try and avoid scheduling formal conversations after. Mm. I prefer to do the drop-ins. So it's a five-minute chat over video, or my team can just phone me and we'll have a conversation. What I want to do is I think the biggest, and I think I read an article about it, which is why why is every conversation now calendarized? And I completely agree that mm-hmm. it's this over, it's the over form formalizing a contact. So Lou and I will never put in time in each other's diaries. It's a Slack message of, have you got two minutes? And then de- depending where we are, we'll either video or voice call, call, talk about what we need to, and then end the call. So it's the right length of communication using the right medium. And I don't think that video or voice, I, th- I think it's in- interchangeable now. And I think that what you've got to do is just give people the confidence to use the methods which they which gets them to deliver the best version of themselves at that moment in time. And there's something about preference, as you say, it's sort of actually having an open communication internally about what each other prefer to do and how each other prefer to communicate and then like you say you know what is the medium that's going to get the best version of you at the time i'll come back to the your point about confidence so you know for me when when clients are telling me that you know their sales teams are perhaps lacking in confidence particularly when it comes to engaging with more senior decision makers you know so perhaps they're you know newer to the job they're perhaps newer to the account they've got a target in in mind they need to get in touch with people that are high up the ranking in the in the customers organization and they've got to get in touch i'm going to share my personal story uh, now robert because as you know uh, you were a prospect of mine back in 2013 and i was relatively new in my my business and and th- there i was you know in learning and development selling training programs effectively and trying to get in touch with a senior HR decision maker in a business. And my confidence wasn't that great. And I think if I remember rightly, and I don't remember the full details, but I didn't have a particularly good hit rate. I think I did eventually get through to you and you bounced me on to someone else and that conversation didn't really go anywhere, but it did teach me a lesson. And we connected on LinkedIn and have stayed sort of in touch virtually and remotely since then. And then fast forward, I guess, to wanting to get you on the show today to talk about this and and I hope you don't mind me sharing with listeners our conversation. But the first thing you said to me is, so, so David, I'm really sorry. I can't remember why I agreed to speak to you. I don't normally take sales calls. You know, can you fill me in? And I said, don't worry, it's not a sales call. I actually want you to be a guest on my podcast. Um, and uh, and that's when we got talking about the the show. But that's not uncommon for senior leaders to to not want to take sales calls. So what's the formula? How do we get 
you know, and I'm asking you, I guess, now as a buyer for our listeners, you know, how do our listeners get in touch with senior buyers and get through that sort of uh, gateway to use another <laughs> want of another word, get through the gateway to get that value conversation with you? What, what are your tips for listeners on that? See, this is absolutely mu- music to my ears. And, <laughs> and because there's often times where you agree to something and a month later, you've got an appointment in your diary and genuinely you've got no idea why it's there. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that, or that we, that I always do, if I get a great piece of outreach, the first thing I'm doing with it is sharing it to my sales development teams and say, this was a great email or this was a great reach out. Often I can be a little bit naughty and ask people to uh, guess my favorite bands or artists <laughs> within that. But that's often where I think I might want to talk about the product. So hmm. the first thing is, it's, and it doesn't bother me, but I know it really bothers some people. So get the name of the person right that you're uh, doing outreach to. I'd probably say that at least 5% of emails to me go to Richard or Rupert in terms of uh, within that. Um, a really big, big one for me is if it's an, an email, I'm, I've got a real a real focus on it being a really well formatted email in terms of I'm less concerned about length, but if it's horrible, clunky 1990s text, it's not great. I think you need to be explaining who you are and what you do. Mm. I think you need to be explaining how what what you do relates to identifiable pain points, and then I think you need to be associating on an individualized basis why you've reached out to me and how you can help. You can get the same approach at three different times during the year, and I might not be interested, I may be interested, or it's perfect timing. So I think it's uh, it's consistency. I think the frequency of follow-up is also important. Mm-hmm. So that, that balance between chasing and harassing, and I'm, I'm using just the two words that spring to mind, are really hard. I'm often a fan of the breakup, uh, uh, the classic. Uh, yeah, yeah. Please tell tell me if you want to. And actually, I reckon that's probably uh, one of the most underutilized tactics, kind mm. of there. I'll actually answer the phone because I, I actually quite like a phone call occasionally. And and I will say, just go straight to your pitch. In terms of, I'm just really interested in what you got to say. If you're really good, then I'll ask kind of what your career opportunities are like, and would you like a, a conversation with our recruitment <laughs> team a to recruitment come and join thing, the yeah. <laughs> So, any sales development reps or client success reps out there at the moment who are thinking about changing, we've got great job opportunities at, at Reward Reward Gateway. So, I'll just leave that plug in there. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but lastly, I think it's and and this is the what the, the only thing which will annoy me is when I've said no, someone goes to try tries to repitch. And that's the that's my only real red flag is mm. if I've said no, and as you know, I'm polite, but I'm 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 fairly clear. I'm not sure which part of no you didn't understand mm. in terms of is, is what my brain's going, because I'll always say send me some stuff, reach out in three months, because I don't because I, I don't mind mind being on those cadences, and that's important. But so to or to summarize, it's be correct, be polite, look at what you're doing, identify a pain point, link it back to a personal thing for me. And if I say no, respect that. And if I don't reply, chase up at a relevant period of time within your marketing automation product. And do you know what? I love the the fact that you will share your experiences with the sales team inside the business because you know, in every business, there's a senior team. 
that mirrors the attitudes and the diary challenges and the pain points that the that your clients might be feeling so you can utilize that internal resource to learn and, and develop Lou you mentioned that you guys you know you, uh, I think you use HubSpot as your internal CRM system or a mixture of you got a few yeah and a lot of organizations do now but there are so many different platforms that can automate some of that cadence as Robert was talking about therein lies some of the danger right so you know we might forget as salespeople to log the right thing or the right outcome and then the cadence the automated cadence kicks in and robert gets the follow-up and we get i suppose labeled as that harassing salesperson that couldn't take no for an answer what, what do you think is the best way from a management point of view managing the team to to avoid that issue i love lots of double down on some of the things that rob actually said a minute mm. ago but when it, we're going to the sales tech piece now Running through things for an automatic cadence or a cadence touch software can be useful. It can most definitely be useful. An organization should always probably look towards that as well. The one thing that we have always done here is have an extremely strong foundation. Having a foundation of understanding of cadences, understanding of your ideal client profile, understanding of the type of business we actually probably should be reaching out to, those are really important things. So what Rob said there about I've said no the aim of the game actually is to probably find the people who want to say yes really early on. And lots of organizations don't do that early homework. They don't do the early bit on these are the these are our accounts and this is why. This is our person and this is why. Or if they do receive a no, don't repitch. You don't need to repitch. The person's already let you know. They've given you the courtesy actually of getting back in touch because a lot of people don't even yeah. do that. Yeah. So we need to, util- need to utilize that in a much better way of getting something more timely that could actually benefit that individual. Because ultimately, and I think you said stuff about confidence earlier, being a new salesperson, confidence is really important to have in your product and the people that you work with. And one of the most important things for a young salesperson is to actually believe in the thing that they're selling or believe in what they're saying. Mm. Because if you were able to have a conversation about something I really believe in, you're going to hear it and you're going to feel the passion and you're going to be really motivated, actually. The, the staff will be really motivated to get that across to the person because you genuinely think it can help. And that is massively missing at the moment. So again, back to the beginning, a strong foundation. Your team know who they're chasing, know their cadences without any technology, know how frequently you should be contacting someone. Rob said intensity. So a lot of the time, Rob will receive an email, our CEO will receive an email, and then our SVP will receive the same email and just address to different individuals. Yeah, yeah. That's no good. That's no good. If you have a foundation, that would never be part of your strategic approach, would it? So it's organizations need to go go back to, not to the drawing board, of course, but just have a really strong foundation. This is our sales play. This is what we do. And then any technology that you bring on top of it supplements that. Yeah. It doesn't create it. And you, I think you're, you're right there to call it a sales play because actually great sales practice and sales behavior is systematic and repeatable. So it's about having that workflow and that that process that can be shared as a benchmark, shared as a best practice, developed as a next practice too, and you know across the group and across the team. We're, we're, we're sort of, be, we've drawn ourselves into a, a sales conversation. And of course, here at Camcast, we, we talk a lot specifically about key account management and looking after our existing customers. 
And there's an intrinsic link with sales, which is why it's easy for us to talk about the sales behaviors. At Reward Gateway, you have customer success, client success uh, teams. So when you think about that aftercare, and by the way, I love the term customer or client success. I think it gives people a presupposition that our role as account managers is to ensure customers get the most value from our product. You know, so the success that they're looking for, the return on their investment. And I think that's a really nice way of positioning it internally for the teams. And that's why it's, we're seeing it more and more. But talk to me about your customer success teams and how, particularly from an engagement point of view, do you notice a difference in the way that they're motivated versus, let's say, your new business hunters that you've got on the team and the SDRs that, that are working for you? What, what do you notice in terms of difference for for those account managers? Um, I, could, I can do a little bit on this. And Rob, I know you're going to have a lot on there too. Actually, Rob, do you want to go first and I'll, I'll chime in? Oh, thanks, Luke. So I think firstly, oh, the teams are very aligned, which mm. is around both wanting to serve the same mission of making the world a better place to work. So it's two halves of the same coin. Lou's team and the sales teams across the world will partner with organizations to understand what we do and then introduce them into the business. And then the client success teams alongside the implementation teams will continue that journey. And to us, the perfect process is, is a seamless transition from prospect to client. What the client success teams try and be is HR's most trusted partner. And what we think around that, it's not around product usage. It's not around number of conversations. It's around helping the HR teams across the globe be as effective as they can be in serving their organizations. And how we facilitate that is by working with them and through enhancing their HR operations and business success through use of our products. So our products are centered around kind of driving employee engagement, which is the number one driver of business success in terms of revenue, profit, and all of the, and all of the measures. And so our focus is on the output, which is overall success. So what we want you to do is understand what we can do to help you from a, uh, a perspective. Is it some knowledge which you need? Is it some awareness of uh, around some real hot topics? One of the things which we do, and this is why partnerships important, is you look at the marketing team and they uh, share all of our content always free. So if you want to go, go to a webinar, you want to go to an event, you want to read some of our literature, it's always free for you to do and it's and we've got thousands of articles and information on all of the topics so we've written on a breadth of subjects if you want to know about a topic in hr which centers around your people then we've got ideas for you to begin with who are, and case studies and everything there so the the motivations are obviously going to be slightly different a salesperson's going to perhaps have a little bit more orientation to closing and having that dopamine hit of, of success. A client success person taking a broad rush is going to be really motivated by the relationships which they build and that depth of kinship with their clients because everybody's going to have a slightly different focus. And one of the things that which we try and do is we try and, because we're very focused on our mission, the, the, the hardest thing for us is seeing that we have a real commercial aim within that because we really want to drive this success within the, the HR team. So how do we uh, achieve that? It's kind of really, really important. And it's really around trying to help them be as good as they can be and achieve their own missions within their own businesses. Yeah. Lou, you wanted to chime in on anything there? Yeah, no, it's, it's, all, it's all bang on what Rob said there, actually. Um, the big thing is the, the mission underpins everything here. 
you know, across all our organizations, across the sales team, through to implementation, um, which in some businesses would be more like a, a project manager type role, mm. and our success team. Everybody wants to make the world a better place to work for our client. So if you have that conversation in the sales process, you've seen a lot of organization get sold a dream and then it dips into reality. Mm. Um, that's we really try to avoid that, you know, with world class MPS scores, all types of things happening here. The the teams are definitely motivated in the same way in that way. But when it comes to, of course, there's some of the things Rob mentioned around, you know, declosing the dopamine here, um, servicing of clients and their wishes and needs, mm. stuff like fighting. That's just a reality of um, yeah. a reality of a solution, isn't it? Mm-hmm. There are different motivations and different drivers in that. But like I said, the mission underpins everything here. And then I can't help but think that you guys are one of the lucky ones in that your mission is lovely. <laughs> it's a, it, I, don't, I, I, I think you'd struggle to find anyone who would disagree with your mission, right? Everyone wants to make the world a better place to work. That would be, you know, we, that's the whole balance between, you know, living to work or working to live. And um, which, which camp are you in today or do you feel that you're in today? So we've got listeners who will be thinking that sounds lovely but i make plastic bottles and you know people put stuff in them and that's it you know our our mission is to sell plastic bottles or you know whatever it might be what advice do you think you've got for them around creating a mission and a, a and and a, aligning yourself with a cause i guess that that isn't necessarily what the product does any thoughts on that oh i've got loads so I would challenge your assertion on that someone making plastic bottles uh, couldn't have their work improved by that kind of there. So I'll give you a few examples. Number one, if that company is trying to be a carbon neutral bottling plant, then they need to kind of be explaining that to their teams and talking through processes and what they're doing and how they're doing it. Because you get this sense of pride. If you're working in that bottling plant and you understand that your organization is trying trying to be the first carbon neutral bottling plant and explaining why things are changing, you become more engaged because there's an, a line of clarity which has been opened mm. to the company's mission. Mm. Of course, if things are really around kind of driving pure profit, then that's going to that level of organization might struggle over the long term to to achieve everything it wants to do. Additionally, when imagine that you're working in a shop and your manager's there or a regional manager comes in and they see someone doing a great job, if if you have a, a digital mobile ready recognition product, the the area the area manager after visiting some people can go, there are three people there who really impressed me. What can I do? In the olden days, you had to wait a quarter for an awards or maybe an annual awards, and and it was kind of who did I see last? Who's done that? Now, whilst having a cup of tea in the shop, they can drop some recognition from their phone to the individuals, may maybe attach a monetary component, and what that does is that reinforces the values which kind of which you're trying to achieve, and which then enhance business performance. Mm. If we strip it down to to, uh, to its basics organizations are really there to deliver in the pure capitalist kind of structure to deliver uh, returns for shareholders or if they're not a for-profit organization they're trying to achieve the aims for which they're set up both of those align together and what you need to do that is have your employees looking forward to coming to work enjoying it and then they want to be recognized. They want to understand why they're there. Then if you can start to do things which create understanding, 
has a clarity of leadership, a clarity of purpose, alignment to the mission and your values, and gets people making better decisions when they're faced with options, that delivers you your number one aim around the areas of profitability and everything else. Mm. But your people are much prouder to work there. They'll they'll talk about what what they're doing. They won't talk about we made ten thousand bottles. They'll talk about the the carbon neutral, or they'll talk about why they've been recognised within that. And there's so many different things that you can do as employers in the employee engagement space, which enables you to achieve yeah. amazing top line and bottom line improvements just by really focusing on your people. That's why I think that if you look at it, Reward Gateway can help every single employer help improve their lives of their people at work, which does one thing, helps them be more productive, which then impacts on to the numerical uh, kind of uh, progress of that company. Yeah. And it's about, you're, you're absolutely right. And I perhaps I teed you up there with a link to an, or an example organization that could have a sustainability agenda and an environmental agenda as well. But it's about identifying within your employee base, what causes matter to them and making sure that whatever you do and whatever you make or whatever you sell, how you do it is in alignment with those causes and the kind of working environment that you create for your people is in alignment with those causes. And I think there is something really to be said for moving past the profit center to create a passion center. And that's the language that I always like to use where, you know, actually we want a team of people that aren't just the head count in an organization, they're a heart count. They, they've got their hearts and minds genuinely invested in what we do, how we do it and why we're here in the first place. So some really, really nice ideas there. This is a big question that I'll bounce to, to both of you individually before we wrap up. But I guess looking forward into not just how we're experiencing working environments now, but what you think might happen in the future. I guess I'm asking you to be clairvoyance a little bit here. Perhaps, Lou, let me start with you. What do you think the future of sales teams, sales enablement, sales engagement is going to look like in the months and years to come? <laughs> Big question. <laughs> I think the future is bright. Call me optimistic. Uh, I'm going to stay here. I normally get pessimistic. I normally get pessimistic from my team sometimes, actually. But um, I think the future is bright. There is a lot of refocus across organizations, not only in profitability, but also in the well-being of their people, too. And organizations are trying to become more efficient. They have to really adapt to the way that the world has moved. And whether we like it or not, or we think it will snap back in a year or two, the world has most definitely changed from, we'll say, what, March 2020? We'll probably yeah. go along with that. So the future is bright. If you've got a product, you have a sales play, and you know your go-to-market strategy, I actually think a lot of organizations will do extremely well. What that does mean, however, is where competition is so rife at the moment, the few of the lower players will fall off. That, that will happen for a lot of industries where, you know, the, some of the smaller organizations or the, the kind of um, what would have been seen as go-getters a couple of years ago, they, they will fall away. And some of the more established businesses with, with deeper pockets might be able to survive some of the struggles that may be on the way. But away from that, if you have a good product and a good go-to-market, I think mm. it's going to be it's going to be very very good. Also, with sales enablement and you know, anything to do actually with just sales and marketing connection, it's mm. going to be huge. Organizations really do want to get their content out there. They want people to know they're the market leader or the market voice. And time and time again, you actually start to see that those seeds that are dropped what a month or two months ago. They, they do they do start to come about and um, you know later down the line and only a few organizations are really using that play correctly at the moment and for the for the sales team 
you know, there's a there's an engagement quadrant that people often talk about. You've got some ambassadors, you've got your go-getter, you've got your detractor. I think a lot of organizations are going to see a lot of those go-getters, those individuals who really want to go and hit big numbers. They may jump ship and they might, when there's a bit more stability, they might look for something new and go for it. Your ambassadors, like you just mentioned, actually, you want to get the pulse of the best people in your team. Organizations need to listen to their ambassadors, need to understand what their ambassadors are saying because they're going to bring everyone along on the journey. And the pandemic, lastly, for your detractors and your organization, it was a hard year. It was a very, very hard year. And that would have dragged a lot more people down into that detractor than there was ever there before. So it's really, really important as an organization to listen to your people, whether it's through surveys, um, which Rob and his team are amazing at, actually, or using technology to keep your finger on the pulse of how they feel. I think it's a really big one. So yeah, change will be good, but you're going to have to work for it. There we go. Change is coming, but it's going to be amazing. Uh, I love that. Um, Robert, anything to add? What are your thoughts on the future? I'd echo a lot of what Lou said, particularly around the positivity. I I also think that the future will be different for different people and it, and it will be always changing. So if you're coming out of university, and it's been a tough couple of years if you're graduating now and you've been studying at home, which has not been ideal, and you're then going out into the workforce, are you going to want to be at home and sit in a, at a desk and working for eight hours a day, learn, learning and working for your business? Or are you going to want to go into a centralized location where you can spend time connecting with people, building relationships and doing other elements there? If you're like me and you're married with two kids and you're an hour's commute for, for, from the office, going uh kind of going on a train five days a week probably doesn't make sense but but going in one or two two days a week but probably not going in when everyone else is going in makes it more efficient and i actually think the level of bespoking around job design is really going to be important and by job design i mean what you do when you do it and how you're doing it so if you're doing a day of video calls stay at home and basically it's about working in that partnership and I want to take people back to the to the 90s and when the first revolution for recruitment software came in and the application process got digitized and there was this great fear that uh, the number of people working recruitment was going to halve. I actually think it probably doubled because the bit of the job which everybody didn't like, ty- typing into a system who's applied and everything else got automated, which then meant that the quality of the work and the level of interest within the work increased. So automation and technology reduces down the less interesting and the more administrative allowing you to focus on more more cerebral thinking work and allows you to from a sales perspective think about how do i reach this prospect how do i make my product more interesting from from an hr perspective it means that you're thinking about how do i do this for my employees rather than a poster or a mailer, or these uh, components. It's much more around a nicer challenge to or, to or to think about. But I would say with Lou, I think we've got a next year of swirl, and then 2022 will settle down. And that uh, my message to everybody is: think think about what you liked in in 2019. Think about what you liked in 2020, and trying in 2021. Yeah take the the bits you liked and retain them but and talk to your hr teams because every hr person i know, now know is going what do my employees want 
So speak up, tell them what you want, tell them about location, about engagement, about recognition, about how you, uh, about everything. And, but don't say, I just want come up with solutions and what success is going to look like. Cause I think that leads to, to two outcomes. One of which you feel hurt. And the second one, it gives your employers evidence as to where to focus. And that's the really important thing for me, but it's exciting. So, and it is, and uh, if maybe the definition of hybrid now is just what you've said, it's taking 2019, mixing it with the bits of 2020 that we did like and coming up with the 21 and 22 and onwards version of, of the working world that we want to be part of. And if you're thinking my voice isn't being heard because you don't know the answer to the question, just get involved in the conversation, you know, and I think that's something that all employees can uh, can do, even if you're not quite sure what the next normal uh, you'd like it to, to look like for you. Gents, it's been uh, a real pleasure talking to you about this today. There are so many more directions we could take this conversation in. So perhaps on another day, we can pick that up. uh, There'll be listeners out there thinking, this reward gateway thing sounds interesting. How can I find out more? There's obviously the website rewardgateway.com. How else can people find out more about what you do, who you do it for, and and what it can bring to their organization? Lou, you're you're, you're heading up the sales team here. I'll uh, I'll give you your elevator pitch. Go for it. Uh, Listen, the pitch is everything Rob's just said. No, but in all, in all seriousness, um, it's, a, it's a great place to work. Like I said, it's a lofty mission and it is about employee engagement. If they want to find out more information, grab us both on LinkedIn, Rob and I. I think Rob actually propositioned himself to be available for sales calls anyway, didn't he, earlier? Yeah, he did. His, his uh, diary is now rammed full of cold calls. Well, it's, uh, it's <laughs> no, but it is, it's, a great, it's a great place to be. Well, LinkedIn is a great place to find us, social media as well. But yeah, just re- reach out. Very, very friendly people across the organization. And there are a few open roles as well. So if anyone doesn't want to join, they're more than welcome. Excellent. So if you listen to this and you like the idea of a mission of making the world a better place to work, find out a bit more about Reward Gateway. Chaps, thank you so much for, for joining us today on Camcast. Camcast, key account management made easy. The thing about hybrid working is that it comes with a whole load of choices. Choice for you as an employee and choices for you as an employer. So what choices have you made in the way that you and your teams engage on your key account management mission? Have you considered what tasks are best performed from which locations and environments? And are you organizing yours and your team's diaries to be most effective? How are you and your team achieving the four C's? Cooperation, collaboration, coordination and communication. Perhaps a truly engaged team is where quality of life meets quality of work. My guests today were great examples of where sales and HR working together, not just on the people strategy for maximizing performance, but the rich learning that can be accessed when senior leaders share experience across departments. Senior leaders are buyers in their own right. So how often do you share your own experiences of being a buyer with your sales and account managers to support the learning internally? Are your new business teams aligned with your account managers? Do they share in the one mission? In my experience, there are many organizations where new business and existing business become disparate. And in a world where resource is finite, friendly fire within the business can be a massive blocker to CAM progress. 
Motivations are going to vary across hunters and farmers, whether it be the dopamine hit from the new win or the kinship of long-term relationships. How well do you understand the motivational drivers of your team and how best do you cultivate a team sport mentality across the different disciplines in your sales organization? For me, there was a big message here about the shared mission that underpins everything the team at Reward Gateway do. And I wonder what reflections you have on what mission or causes your business and team genuinely care about that help you increase the heart count in your business, where team members' hearts and minds are genuinely invested in what you do and how you do it. When it comes to the cam culture mission that we're on with Camcast, how we engage with the people in our teams is a guiding principle. Profit centers are fueled by passion centers. And the people in your business and on your CAM team hold the keys to success with your most important customers. I'd love to hear from more organizations who are leading the charge in creating a CAM culture in their business. So get in touch and tell us what you're doing to drive engagement and maximize performance with your clients. Thank you for listening to this episode of CAMcast, a podcast brought to you by camguru.com, one of the UK's leading key account management consulting and training organizations. If you like this episode, we'd really appreciate you sharing it with your connections, giving us a review on your chosen podcast app, and letting us know what else you'd like to hear in an upcoming episode. You can find the show notes for this episode on the website at camguru.com forward slash podcast.